Thank you for joining Storytime Anytime for You again. Last week, we brought you Unite or Die by Jacqueline Jules, and we encourage you to join us again this week for more information that was included in the book. At the back of the book, Jacqueline gave some additional information about the history of the first United States of America. So beginning with the afterword, we will share that information. The Constitutional Convention took place in Philadelphia during the hot summer of 1787. Its purpose was to revise the existing Articles of Confederation to solve the many problems among the states. But the Articles of Confederation were so weak that the delegates soon realized they would need to come up with a completely new government to be successful. Fifty-five men from Massachusetts, Virginia, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, New Hampshire, New York, Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Connecticut met in secret for four months. One of the largest debates focused on representation. When the states agreed to the compromise presented by the Connecticut delegation, it was a turning point. A Congress with two parts having equal representation in the Senate and representation based on population in the House of Representatives solved one big problem. But there were other controversies and many important decisions. How should the president be elected? The document the delegates created carefully separated and balanced power among the executive, legislative, and judicial, judicial branches of government. This system of checks and balances ensured that no one branch of the government could take complete control. The Constitution contains many spe specifics, such as how old our legislators must be to run for office, what the powers of Congress are, and how Supreme Court justices are selected. But the 55 white male delegates also created a document that could expand to serve a society not yet imagined in 1787. By including an amendment process, they acknowledged that the Constitution might need adjustments in the future. The voting rights of African American men were not guaranteed by the Constitution until the 15th Amendment was passed in 1870. Women did not obtain the right to vote until the 19th Amendment in 1920. The Constitution was ingeniously designed as a living document, creating a government capable of serving Americans from generation to generation. Now here's some additional notes. Why wasn't the country united? The Articles of Confederation stated, the style of this Confederacy shall be the United States of America, but loyalty to the United States as a country was not firmly established. Most people consider themselves citizens of their particular states. The Articles of Confederation established only a league of friendship among the states rather than a strong government with a leader. Who printed the money? While the country operated on the, under the Articles of Confederation, every state printed its own money. Traveling from one state to another was like visiting another country. The money was different, and so was the government. This contributed to economic and trade difficulties in the new country. Well, who owned Vermont? The land that later became Vermont was claimed by both New Hampshire and New York. Many states had border conflicts. Maryland and Virginia fought over rights to the Potomac River. Without a strong central government, the states were like a squabbling family. Who was Daniel Shays? 
Daniel Shays, a farmer and Revolutionary War veteran, was the leader of a year-long rebellion in Massachusetts that began in the summer of 1786. The farmers were angry over high taxes and farm foreclosures. Armed with pitchforks and muskets, they closed down courthouses and attempted to take over the arsenal in Springfield, Massachusetts. The state government eventually crushed the rebellion, but the situation pointed out the need for a stronger federal government that could help states in times of crisis. Why was Annapolis important? The Annapolis Convention in 1786 was supposed to be a meeting of all 13 states, but only delegates from Pennsylvania, Delaware, Virginia, New Jersey, and New York came. Even Maryland, the state where the convention was held, didn't send delegates. While the original purpose was to solve trade issues between the states, the meeting identified the weakness of the Articles of Confederation as the overriding problem. The men at Annapolis decided to call another convention with the express purpose of strengthening the Articles of Confederation. A meeting that only decides to hold another meeting may not appear to be much of a success, but this decision laid the foundation for the writing of the Constitution. What about those special chairs? Benjamin Franklin did travel to Independence Hall in a sedan chair carried by poles, on poles by four men. At 81 years old, his health was poor and it was too painful for him to ride in a carriage. The back of George Washington's special chair was decorated with a half sun. Franklin said he contemplated this design throughout the convention, wondering if it was a rising sun or a setting sun. At the end of the convention, when the Constitution was signed, Franklin was happy to report that Washington's chair was adorned with a rising sun, a symbol of of promise for the future. Why did they keep everything secret? The delegates agreed right away on two things. They wanted George Washington to preside over the convention and they wanted the proceedings to be kept private. Secrecy meant that the delegates could discuss the issues freely without worrying about the reaction of the press or the public. They were also free to change their minds. Some believed that secrecy was one of the keys to success. The rule was strictly enforced. Delegates kept a discreet eye on Benjamin Franklin, who loved to talk, making sure that he did not let any news slip unintentionally during a dinner conversation. So how do we know what happened behind those closed doors if the press was not allowed to report on a day-to-day basis? James Madison, a Virginia delegate who later became president, attended every session and took careful notes of the proceedings. These notes are the primary source of much of our information about the convention. He sponsored the Virginia Plan, which began the discussion of a new constitution. For his role as a leading figure at the convention, he was nicknamed the Father of the Constitution. Why did George Washington look so glum at some point? The issue of representation created a stalemate. Some delegates worried that the convention would break up. Benjamin Franklin called for prayer, and George Washington looked discouraged the way he did at Valley Forge, one of the lowest points of the Revolutionary War. As president of the convention, Washington was largely silent, but his presence was extremely important. Washington had come out of retirement to show his support for a strong national government. How did Roger Sherman from Connecticut save the day? 
Roger Sherman is often credited with presenting the Great Compromise, also known as the Connecticut Compromise. This plan took advantage of a bicameral legislature, a Congress with two houses. Under this system, every piece of legislation is discussed and voted on by two different legislative bodies. It must be passed by both houses before becoming law. Such legislators, legislatures were common in 1787. England's Parliament was composed of the House of Lords and the House of Commons. Many of the individual states also had two legislatures. Sherman's plan proposed that every state, regardless of size, have two representatives in an upper house, the Senate, and representation based on population in a lower house, the House of Representatives. It was a compromise that gave both the states and the people power. So who does what? The careful separation of powers be among the branches of government even extends to the duties of the Senate and the House of Representatives. The House has the sole authority to introduce laws for raising taxes and to choose a president if no candidate receives the majority of the electoral votes. The Senate has the sole power to ratify treaties and approve presidential appointees, such as Supreme Court justices. If an official is suspected of wrongdoing, the House can vote to impeach him or her. It is then the Senate's responsibility to serve as a court to convict or acquit the accused official. Members of the House of Representatives serve a two-year term and senators serve a six-year term. How many things have been changed? There have been 27 amendments to the Constitution, some of them modified governmental procedure. For example, the Constitution originally said that the person who received the second largest number of votes in the Electoral College, the runner-up, would be the Vice President. This proved impractical with the advent of political parties and was changed with the 12th Amendment, ratified in 1804. Today, Americans vote for a President and a Vice President. And what about Rhode Island? Not only did Rhode Island refuse to attend the Constitutional Convention, it was the last state to ratify the Constitution. Rhode Island held an anti-federalist opinion that a strong central government would rob states of their individual rights. Those opposed to the Constitution were also disappointed that it had no protection for the individual freedoms of citizens. In response to this criticism, the first ten amendments, known as the Bill of Rights, were added in 1791. Rhode Island joined the Union in 1790, two years after the Constitution went into effect. If you want to read the Constitution for yourself, if you're old enough to do that, you can get a copy online at www.archives.gov. Thank you for joining us for the additional information that was included in Unite or Die. We hope you'll come back again for another story from Storytime Anytime for you. Until then, take care and certainly keep reading.